This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then what did you go out? Why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet not the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. We have multiple images this morning. We're celebrating the third Sunday of Advent. We also have this altar here because at this time of year, all around the world, people celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe. So we had a big Our Lady of Guadalupe celebration this morning before the 8.30 Mass. These all harmonize, obviously. Mary is the ultimate figure of Advent. She's the person into whom Jesus most powerfully comes when he enters this world as our savior. I think you know Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of all of the Americas. So our parish is blessed with a lot of different Marian devotions. This is the one that should unite all of us. Interestingly, again, I think you know, this is a unique appearance of Mary. She's pregnant when she appears to the Americas. So it's all Advent together. So third Sunday of Advent, we are hopefully observing this season, I know many of you are, in spiritual preparation for the coming of the grace of the Christmas season. Somehow, really, it's all mysterious, but we know it's real based on experience. God offers the world, through the grace of the Christmas season, the birth and the rebirth of Jesus, the Savior of the world. Third Sunday of Advent is traditionally called Gaudete Sunday, which is a Latin word for rejoice, joy. In our faith tradition, there's not one little definition in a box of joy. For me, joy has something to do with the supernatural, very profound fulfillment that we can experience when God's love, God's truth, God's justice become real in this very fallen, very sinful world. You can be happy and experience joy. You can actually be quite miserable and experience joy because it's not just about an attitude or an emotion. I'm going to repeat this on purpose. For me, it is the supernatural fulfillment at the depth of my soul that I can experience when God's love, God's truth, God's justice become real in this world. To me, the prayers and the readings for this particular third Sunday of Advent really push that. If you experience joy, blessed are you. I know a lot of us do. If you're not experiencing joy, all the more this Sunday and this week of Advent should be for you. 
the entrance antiphon, which is the initial prayer for every Mass, which you can read in the Missalette, is from the fourth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, in which he says, Gaudete, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice, the Lord is near. That sounds lovely. Put it on a Christmas card, on we go. Until you stop and you realize, or at least I stop and realize, when Paul writes that, he's writing from prison. He's in prison somewhere. In fact, we don't know exactly where because he's imprisoned several times purely because he's out doing what Jesus has called him to do. He's out telling who Jesus is, proclaiming the word of God in the very pagan Roman world. So he's not in a happy situation. He's in prison. He's suffering. He's writing to the early Christian community at Philippi where he knows they're threatened from within by false teachers within the church. In this letter, he expresses his anxiety, his fear, and his joy. So in the midst of a really bad situation where he is in fact suffering, more deeply he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, the Lord is near. Hmm. Hmm, number two for me comes with the gospel reading. So we're in the Gospel of Matthew. Remember last week on the second Sunday of Advent, we had a passage from Matthew 3 about John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, who is the, in many ways the final prophet. He is the final prophet, the final Jewish prophet, who says the long-awaited Messiah is about to come, and then when Jesus enters his public ministry, he says, behold the Lamb of God. He points out Jesus is the Messiah. That third chapter of Matthew passage we heard last week John the Baptist is experiencing joy. God's love, truth, justice are pouring through him and thousands of people. He's calling people out into the desert, to the Jordan River, to stand up and acknowledge freely that they're sinners, to enter into the river to say symbolically, I want to be free of my sin, to come out of the river and say, I am open to the Messiah. I want to live a holy life preparing for the Messiah. Remember this last week? Huge numbers of people respond to this. He calls out, particularly religious leaders who are in the crowd but are just going through the motions, and he insists to people that this Messiah, when he comes, there's a final judgment involved. The axe is at the root of the trees. He is filled with joy. I would think that would have been the passage we'd hear on this third Sunday of Advent, Rejoice Sunday, but it's not. Hmm. So, the passage we do here is from Matthew 11. Same John the Baptist, a few years later, who is in prison, like Paul. John the Baptist is miserably in prison. You may remember this. This twisted king, Herod Antipas, has thrown John the Baptist into prison because he has been speaking God's word. He calls out Herod because Herod has married his own brother's wife, who is his other brother's daughter. In 2022 in this country, you'd probably get an award at the Kennedy Center for this, but this is sick. It was sick then and it's sick now, totally perverted. He calls him out and says, you're violating God's truth. And so Herod throws him into prison. Not long after this, John the Baptist is going to have his head cut off by Herod in the midst of a drunken, again, perverse party that he has, just for the fun of it. He's about to have his head cut off. 
John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends a message through his disciples, his followers, to Jesus. The question is to Jesus, are you the one who is to come? That expression, I think you know, means, are you the Messiah? He knows he's the Messiah, or he knew it. He's pointed him out to people. He spent his entire adult life focused on Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? This is not a joyful situation. I don't think he's experiencing joy much or at all at this point. So what's going on inside of John the Baptist? We can only speculate. The scripture writer doesn't say, say, is prison so depressing that he's reached this point? I kind of doubt it because other prophets have gone through this, and John has lived a very tough, out-in-the-desert life. Could it be that Jesus, in his public ministry, is not acting the way John would have expected the Messiah to act? Or is Jesus not doing yet what John has expected he might do? That is certainly possible. We know that at Jesus' time, our Jewish ancestors didn't have one set view of what they thought the Messiah would do, but it was probably pretty common. People expected he'll be a military, political savior who eliminates the Romans, eliminates everything evil, Maybe John or maybe his disciples are not seeing this in Jesus, and they're wondering, are you really the Messiah? Whatever's going on, John asks that question. He is seeking answers. He's also seeking joy. So what I encourage you to do this week is join me in taking Jesus' response to John and live it this week of Advent, whether you are experiencing joy in Christ, and particularly if you're not, if you're seeking it. So two parts to the response. Jesus says to John's disciples, go and tell John what you hear and see, what Jesus is doing. The blind regain their sight. Lepers are cleansed. The lame walk. Deaf people hear. Dead people are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. This is describing what Jesus is doing. On one level, it's clear Jesus is telling John, he's talking about passages like the one we heard in the first reading from Isaiah that predict that the Messiah will do these things. But there's so many predictions about the Messiah. I'm confident on one level, Jesus is just pointing out, yes, I am the Messiah. If you go back in the scripture, you can see these were the promises of what will happen when the Messiah comes. On a deeper level, I presume Jesus may be saying to John, to his disciples, and certainly to you and me, this is who I am. The Messiah is love. The Messiah is the one who enters into people's really deep needs, sufferings, and he gives them love. That's who Jesus is. He sees people who are in deepest, deepest need, ultimately sin. He enters into their lives, and he gives them new life. Blind people really do see. Deaf people really do hear. Lepers really are cleansed. The poor really do have the good news proclaimed to them. Jesus' love, and ultimately it turns out the ultimate power of the universe that saves the world is merciful, selfless, humble, sacrificial, giving love in action. That's who the Savior is. That's what salvation is. I'm pointing at the crucifix. 
for you and me, if I am hoping that Jesus will be reborn in me and in us through the grace of the Christmas season, particularly if I am hoping and praying that I will experience more joy by living in him, that instruction to John the Baptist reminds me that's what's in my future. If he's going to be born more in me, in us, he wants merciful, giving, forgiving love in action to be born in us. That's what our future somehow is meant to be more. That's the source of our joy through the grace of Christmas somehow. With the people who are blind, who are deaf, who are lepers, who are dead, who are poor in the world in which we live. Are you getting this? If you're looking for joy through the grace of Christmas, look at the real Savior. He's going to want you and me to become more living like him. Second and finally, in, that in, in the reply to John the Baptist, Jesus says, blessed is the one who does not take offense at me. So you're confused about Jesus, you have questions about Jesus, fine, that's all good. But don't be offended by me. If John the Baptist and his disciples take offense at who Jesus really is, well, they're not going to grow in Jesus. They're going to push him away. Quite interestingly, in the chapters that immediately follow Matthew 11, it's one account after another of people who do take offense at Jesus, and they push him away. They don't like what he teaches. They don't like the way he behaves. They don't like the way he challenges them. They take offense, and they block him out. If you and I are seeking Jesus to be reborn or born in us through the grace of Christmas, if you're seeking joy or more joy in him, don't take offense at who he really is because he doesn't meet your expectations or your particular worldview. I will conclude with this. I would not have said this 50 years ago in this community, and I wouldn't say it if I lived in certain other parts of this country or this world. We live in Lawrence, Massachusetts. The Lawrence part is great. The rest gets a little more complicated. In 2022, many of the people who run this country, who run our culture, the people who live in palaces and wear the fine clothing these days are absolutely continually taking offense at Jesus, often with a lot of anger. They oppose who he is from merciful love to what his teachings are about almost everything other than parking and disability parking spots. People take complete offense at him. And these are so many of the people in power in this country, people who are entertainers. How did they get in power? People with money, politicians of every stripe. They are so offended by the teaching of Jesus Christ all across the board. If we follow them, we will take offense at him. If you listen to the powers that be, so many of them in this country, they take offense. They even hate him. They want to shut him down. If you let them lead you too much, you will take offense, and he will not force himself into you. You will not experience joy because he just wants you to. You cannot take offense of him at him if you want to let him in. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. 
For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.